what an excellent day for an exorcism. This is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley, and best friend, Demonic Derek. <laughs> and you're listening to New Release, a movie podcast with a time traveling twist. Ashley, when are we now? <laughs> when are we now? Nice. Um, it's the summer of 1990. Malls are packed. Denver just approved a 1% sales tax to pay for a future baseball franchise. Hello, Rockies. And meanwhile, the third movie in the scariest horror franchise of all time hits theaters this weekend, August 17th, 1990. All right. What are we waiting for? Let's, let's get to the movies. The creator of the original Exorcist is back with a terror unlike any ever known. Just behind this door. <laughs> William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. There's that demonic keystroke again. So, yeah, we just saw we're coming straight from the theater after having seen Exor- The Exorcist 3. Do you dare walk these steps again, Ashley? Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I'll never go to <laughs> they were. It was an escalator, fortunately, and it just moved all on its own. It was really, really freaky. So um, I don't think you had seen this movie before based on your reaction while we were watching it, but... How familiar and how impressioned were you by the original Exorcist? So, sorry, my dog's in the background. Um, okay, so the original was terrifying, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. So I think I watched it one time, kind of through my like through my hands, just kind of like certain scenes, um, but fucking scary. And then this one I've never seen before or heard of. So. <laughs> How old were you when you saw the first one? I think I was in, I want to say I was like eighth grade. I Yeah, I don't know if I saw it like as a kid uh, because <laughs> it's so uh, parodied and in such a part of like pop culture history. I know mm-hmm. uh, the the scene making fun of this from like scary movie definitely was, if not my first impression of it, it was like, uh, I knew what it was referencing, but I feel like I had to go back and watch the source material again, you know, after that, or if I had even seen it at that point. So I've seen it a couple times now as an adult in theaters, the first one, and it's an incredible movie. I mean, I w- it would be really cool to, if, if you weren't traumatized by it, to have seen it, you know, when it first came out, that would have been awesome. I wish I'd seen it like when I was, 10 years old um, you don't <laughs> yeah no, I can say, it's easy, don't. easy for me to say that now um i have not seen the sequel i the the exorcist 2 sequel uh which i know isn't as well regarded is the one we just watched so i had been excited to see the third one for a while and the most obvious way to kind of finally see it was to travel back in time to 1990 and see it with an audience in theaters and um watch everyone cower in terror. Derek, <laughs> uh, had you seen this movie and what is was your experience with the original? 
so i'm familiar familiar oh jesus christ what's happening <laughs> what, hey uh, don't use uh so i'm familiar with the first uh. but poltergeist was way more interesting to me at the time as a kid yeah didn't you uh yeah and, and same well i wouldn't say same for us but i i remember being like watching poltergeist when we were younger i mean i thought our parents definitely didn't show us this movie no i watched it at a friend's house yeah so we watched movies like Poltergeist and Arachnophobia and Gremlins mm-hmm. and, and you know, PG to PG-13 horror movies. But we definitely did not watch The Exorcist as a family. Didn't no. you say didn't you say last week, Derek, your mom fainted? Uh, no, my mom or left. Something? My mom left the theater oh, okay. when she first okay. saw it. Yeah, makes sense. Which Ugh. I think a lot of people did. So, yeah, people were fainting, leaving the theater. It was. It's like if you watch the original now with that kind of context, like the scariest movie of all time, audiences were were having panic attacks. I mean, okay, it's not like we've seen a lot of horror movies in the in the years since, and they've Mm -hmm. all been evolving and, you know, finding new ways to shock you from like paranormal style jump scares to gross out horror. So don't expect the original if somehow you still haven't seen it. To cause you to faint <laughs> but it's very effective for a movie um 40 years ago uh 73 70. something like mm-hmm. that yeah so almost 40 years ago so i mean in this movie obviously came out a full 17 years after the original um i think because the second one was was a failure but as they mentioned in the trailer this isn't the same director as the first one, but it's the writer of the source material, uh, the novel that the first one was based on. Another one of his novels uh, he adapted and directed himself. So Legion is it called Legion? Yeah, it was called yeah. Legion, and that kind of they they referenced that in this in this movie a couple of times um, as the people uh, in the underworld. We are we are Legion. Uh, so I think I think we kind of alluded to this last week, Ashley, but. Of all the subgenres of horror from, you know, slasher to torture porn to um, psychological to, you know, you name it, is demonic possession the one that you find just inherently the scariest? Yes. Okay. <laughs> like, hands <And> down. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I could, it just seems realistic and anything to do with like the church and demons, it just always, it just freaks me out. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I just, it's hard to watch. Like I could watch someone like I could watch the saw movies, which mm-hmm. I don't like, I mean, they're interesting, but they're so gory and disgusting. I could watch that over some demonic possession where someone's like speaking in tongues and then killing people and you don't really know what's happening. And it just freaks me out every time. <laughs> it's, it's such a helpless feeling. I was just thinking during this movie, the, it was almost a police procedural investigation movie. It was, mm-hmm. it wasn't gory until the end at all. Um, I also want to talk about some of the parallels with flatliners, but maybe we'll get to that, uh, later on the, the thing about a possession movie and the first one, especially because it applies to a kid is everyone's just so helpless. Like he wasn't Mm -hmm. blindsided by the idea of possessions because one of his best friend was the, the priest in the first movie who performed the exorcism. So he's like, not shocked by the concept of it. But once you start like seeing people being taken over or inexplicable things are happening, Mm -hmm. there's just this like you can't fight it 
with the normal police tactics <laughs> yeah. that you would that you would use. And it's very late into the movie here where they even consider any kind of, you know, exorcism tactics. It's basically like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Which they've cut out in the director's or in one version of this movie, they cut out that whole piece of it. What do you mean? So how would they how do they conclude it? I don't know how it's concluded, but I know that's removed because they hmm. wanted to tie it because they're just originally they're thinking about having being called Legion and not really being tied to the original exorcist. And then they were like, oh, no, we should add like an exorcism into it to tie hmm. it back to the first one. Uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense because it's it's bolted on. They mm-hmm. they reference the guy and they show him a few times throughout this movie. The guy who ends up performing the exorcism unsuccessfully, mostly yeah. unsuccessfully. The, the way they exercise the demon spoiler is to shoot to shoot the demon and then shoot him in the head so yeah um, they kill the they kill the vessel but it's it's just you know like the power I mean the all-encompassing power of the devil or whoever you're being possessed by mm-hmm. is you're no match for them and like in this movie uh, the legion thing, manifests and it takes place mostly in a hospital slash is a, psych, it, is it, a psych ward yeah yeah are there i guess it's yeah it's not like a emergency room hospital it's Mm-mm. it's a psych ward where they have a lot of catatonic uh patients which are all the easier to possess apparently which is like the scariest uh place to have yeah possession yeah. or anything like or any type of movie with any type of like psych ward in it Ugh. Silent no. Hill, Shutter Island. Yeah, yeah, Silent Hill for sure. Crawling on the ceiling, any of that. Okay, let's let, <laughs> let's talk about some of the the creepier uh, imagery and moments in the film. You just you just referenced one. What were what were you? Were first off, were you scared by this movie and and what parts? Um, like three of the parts that were the only part scary parts in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But um, the one I just alluded to a little bit was a nurse crawling on the ceiling. <laughs> I don't like that. I even knew it was going to happen. I even saw the image beforehand. I was like, it's going to oh, happen at really? some point. And I was just waiting for the whole movie. And any type of long hallway shot, yep. count me out. I, I love that. Count scene. me out. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just waiting for something to happen. Something terrible is going to happen. You don't know when. And it's just sitting there. Those yeah. freak me out the most. That that was probably yeah. my best like sequence in, or favorite sequence in the movie is where they have the camera at the end mm-hmm. of a long hallway. You can see like one door immediately to the camera's left and you can see down to like the nurse's station at the end of the camera shot Mm -hmm. and you can see a few doors along the way and there's blue light radiating out of out of the rooms and the nurse comes towards the camera goes in the closest room there's a jump scare but nothing Um, happens nothing happens And, and all throughout like you see cops like coming in and out of the past the nursing station through these other doors at the end of the shot yeah yeah at the Ugh. like in the background like they're just like you because your your right, eyes yeah, are trained right. to like study anything mm-hmm. changing in a very st- the camera is completely still so it's only the the things that are moving in the frame and the only scene i had seen or the only imagery i had seen um mm-hmm. a still image of is when somebody pops out from the third door past the camera mm-hmm. and and like uh, apparently slices the nurse in half, but we don't see that. Yeah, um, with a giant shear, which looks like a giant shear. Yeah. Oh my god. So they don't. This isn't a slasher movie, but they do have a signature weapon 
which yeah. is like a uh, cadaver uh, shear. A body so slicer. supposed to like open up the rib cage or something. Yeah, Ugh. it pops it open. Oh, I thought it was. No, I thought it was the no, cut just, stuff. Yeah. Oh, to decapitate a head. Yeah, they allude to that. One. I mean, these, so a bone breaker then. Bone, muscle, there's spring loaded shears mm. that you like pry open and then they snap, they snap back uh, shut. I mean, they're garden, <laughs> they're garden shears, but they're medical grade. They're super shiny and super and sharp. sharp. Yeah. yeah. They're not meant for cutting through um, weeds. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was actually almost, I was almost thrown off by the lack of of gore and violence mm-hmm. in the tone of the movie it totally makes sense that they were purposely distancing themselves a little bit from uh the original because like i said it's a it's a serial killer police procedural yeah. for a good a good um you know two-thirds of it yeah 75 percent ish yeah and i but i thought that was effective and i also yeah. thought um it was it was darkly funny at the start yeah the, the dialogue was. was really weird and mm-hmm. funny um which threw me off as well i do i mean they didn't show a lot of the gory scenes but the way they described all like the murders were really interesting but they weren't like your typical murders and i thought that was pretty fascinating yeah so there's this um the the main investigator the main the main cop played by george c scott who was uh Patton in the movie Patton. um won an Academy Award and, re- and turned it down because he said it, it was just a two hour meat parade. Um, I was what? I was reading the ceremony. He was like, I'm not going to go to that two hour meat parade um, back when back when it was only two hours. Um, so awesome. anyway, he won that. And then he was in a, a horror movie in uh, the 80s, 1980, I think, called The Changeling, which is just this very atmospheric, like haunted um, house movie, uh, which mm-hmm. I really like. Did you find um, the pacing of this movie? I mean, it it is not like a modern horror movie. It is much slower and much more like of a of a a slow burn up to the climax. So, well, there's that, more character yeah. development too. Yeah, did you like that, or did it? Did you get bored? Um, let's see. Or both. <laughs> I'll say a little bit of both. I liked certain pieces of it, but like the monologue between the serial killer in the cell at first I was like, Oh, is that like his acting is really incredible. Like this is great. And then it just kept going for like another 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that scene, I was like, Oh man, like they would have had me if it was like a four minute monologue, but it just kept going. Um, the other scenes I thought were, I don't know. I liked the character development. I liked, you kind of get to know him and his family. So you don't want like, his daughter to die. Cause she's threatened by the serial killer. And like, yep. there's certain aspects of it. I really like, I think overall, this is more of like a serial killer movie and less of a possession movie. So I was a little confused by that. Um, yeah, D- Derek, do you have the, um, one of the clip from the, one of the, uh, interview or like conversation scenes handy? Yeah. Okay. We can, yeah. we can play that real quick and then talk about it. Cause yeah, there's like, I thought I, I, thought I did. There's like, <laughs> there's like three of them. Um, I added that later. There's like, uh, three of these, these moments. And I agree the first time it's very effective. Mm-hmm. They do this trick where he starts off seeing, uh, the the priest from the first movie. It's the same actor. So um, he's like confronted with his old friend who is in locked in the the dangerous part of the psych ward. And then like midway through the scene, the actors change, and it changes to the the Gemini killer. Oh, a changeling. Um, Gemini killer. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I thought that was really cool. Watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent, his friends, and again and again and on and on. He is inside with us. He will never get away. His pain won't end. Jeez, oh, those growls. That's a guttural demon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's like, it's the definitive, I mean, it's, I say the definitive kind of demonic possession voice because of the original movie. Um, and so you've seen it in movies like this, Jonah Hill, and this is the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, despite it seeing like all the, the things that make fun of it, it's still very, I mean, it takes an incredible performance. He's cycling through both, characters different levels of possession during these monologues it's just yeah but like you said by the second or third one we kind of we've we've kind of get the point yeah uh, <laughs> got it because so. at first i was like oh that's not what his face looked like and i was like oh i see what's happening and then yeah I just kept going yeah but he's a really good actor I don't yeah know who he is, agreed he was really that was, good that's probably my favorite part of the movie were, were those scenes between him and what george c scott mm-hmm yeah. The, yeah detective um yeah i really liked which i think we should reenact a little bit drew sure um <laughs> the entry it goes probably within the first like 10 15 minutes of the movie when um the preacher's in the confessional and then someone comes in there and starts talking to him and it's terrifying and it kind of sets the tone for the whole movie yes yeah so this like an unnamed or an unseen person is in the confession booth and are you going to do the the voice i'll try okay <laughs> so i'm i'll i'll be the father and you'll be the person confessing yeah <laughs> may the lord be in your heart and help you confess your sins yes i have a scrupulous conscience father this need to confess so many things if i step on two straws in the shape of a cross i feel that i have to confess it torments me Try to make a good confession. And remember, Christ forgives us all our sins. Only little things, 17 of them, Father. The first was that waitress near Candlestick Park. I cut her throat and watched her bleed. She bled a great deal. Oh. It's a problem that I'm working on, Father. All this bleeding. And I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. that is creepy. That was right. Yeah. And that was like how it kind of started the whole thing. And I was like, wait, so it's a serial killer. Is a serial killer a woman? Are there multiple people? What's happening? Like, I wasn't really sure now. Obviously, we know. But yeah, we do. So really we do see an out. old woman and like um, all black. I don't know if that was a misdirection, but we can assume it wasn't one of the old people from the psych ward being yeah. possessed by the main guy uh, mm -hmm. because that's more information we learn later. But yeah, this this kicks things off. And even the intro before that is like, following the camera and like demon point of view uh floating like down the street and then you see these um these yeah. young kids these young black kids like come out and like are just standing there staring at the camera it's very unsettling yeah it's um yeah the way it starts i'm just like oh no yeah so first person <laughs> camera is going down the street that way that was creepy mm -hmm. yeah good and the good. boy with the rose that's when that dies right yeah he dies um and i don't know if he's like possessed at the same time as well but but yeah but the person possessed <clears throat> said that there was a reason that he killed some of these people right there was um i didn't he, quite get he, that so part. his yeah so his 
dad, the Gemini killer, was killing people Gemini. whose name started with a K because his dad, uh, he hated his dad. Yeah, his dad's, <laughs> his dad's name was K. His dad's name was Carl or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he was killing people that started with a K, but then he also went on this very kind of uh, interesting rant about the artistry of what he does and mm -hmm. how he takes great, how he like, he loves Shakespeare and Titus Andromachus is his favorite yeah. Shakespeare play and, and so on and so forth. How he's and, an artist. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. How like he, um, makes, uh, the decapitated body watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes like dioramas out of, out of the, the victims and, you know, the movie uh, for whatever reason, uh, probably you know good taste or it's just not interested in being uh gore centric it doesn't show like the mutilated um bodies and things like that it kind of goes out of its way to withhold uh that imagery which i think is an interesting choice yeah i was kind of hoping they would show it well yeah. like when he finds his friend i mean yeah so there's a, another father who was like uh uh, I don't know if he was around in the first movie or not, but anyway, the, the police has moved on and made best friends with a different, a different father. And that guy isn't long for this world um, <laughs> to set up kind of like the main, the main course of action. So he, he dies and, and the police chief is going to investigate or going to uh, confirm the body basically. And it's under a sheet and he looks at both hands and then he looks at the head um, but they don't show they 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 have a very intentional camera angle to not show anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just um, yeah. describe the all, they just describe all the killings. Yeah, but they never. Show I think them. it's I think it's pretty evocative that way um, mm -hmm. because when they do finally show like someone's skin peeling off their head. Oh yeah. During the <laughs> during the climax, it's 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 more shocking. Yeah, I didn't see that happening at all. I was like, wait, he's yeah. stuck to the. Oh no. Whoa. <laughs> um. What other there? Did you notice some of the the weird cameos in this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed one in specific. Are you yeah, talking about the angel in the dream sequence or no? There, yeah. So, um, I put I put Larry David here in our our notes, but it was Larry King. <laughs> yeah, it was Larry King <laughs> in, in the restaurant at the beginning, and then there's a dream sequence. Yeah, just yeah. describe that dream sequence, Ashley. <laughs> okay, or you know, do your best. It's really hard to yeah, it's very hard to describe. Um, <laughs> So he falls asleep and then he wakes up in like kind of a psych ward where all the people that were murdered that he's ever seen were alive. And yeah. most of them were decapitated. So obviously like Gemini killers, all of his victims, they have like stitches, they have stitches, neck, like so giant they... stitches to keep their head attached. Yeah. Um, and then he runs into like the, one of the boys that was murdered. that I talked about at the beginning. He's just like, I'm so sorry. You're murdered, Thomas. I miss you. And the kid's like, miss you too. And it's just very weird. And then there's like this kind of like symphony playing and there's angels but then everything starts speeding up and going a little crazy. One of the angels is Fabio. Just yep. a cameo. Um, and then Samuel L. Jackson's also in the, did you see him? Yeah, I saw him. And then I was immediately, I was pretty confident in this, but I did have to look it up afterwards. Mm -hmm. Then, then at the very end, he sees an angel. Um, and I think he even has a, a line or two um, who was a very famous basketball player for the New York Knicks, Patrick Ewing. Um, who the reason I was pretty confident that it was him, even though I couldn't remember a hundred percent if that's what he looked like when he was, you know, younger. He went to Georgetown and he was like a one of the most famous like athletes um in college as well. So he was mm. like a superstar when he was at Georgetown, where this movie is set, I guess. Okay. I, I wonder how they were like 
okay, do you want to be in this exorcist movie? <laughs> for like yeah. Five so, I mean, seconds. Just when you thought Fabio was as weird as it was going to get Patrick yeah. Ewing basketball <laughs> player shows up and, you know, I'm sure some members of the audience <laughs> didn't, didn't know who he was, but it's very, very strange. Um, yeah. And because the movie is so, I mean, for a movie that's about supernatural elements, uh, like we keep saying, it plays it pretty straight um, for a while. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this scene was one of our first, like, really surreal, really weird, like, trippy visual scenes. Um, I mean, it's the trippiest of the movie, but yeah. it also, like, was just kind of the most going on visually that we had seen up to that point in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, one oh. thing that that um that the original is known for, of course, is its score. So I wanted to do a quick little informal um, versus match Ooh, okay. between the iconic tubular bells and then the also iconic sound uh, theme song for another horror movie that would come six years later. Not saying that my one of my heroes copied it but let's hear tubular <laughs> bells and they're not the same but you know let's let's hear tubular bells and then we'll play the other one and we'll see which one we prefer <laughs> yep so that was the soundtrack for tubular bells and then now you might recognize this uh, theme song as well <laughs> it's got some more bass. <laughs> it's like vanilla, vanilla ice in that one song. Yeah. Same but different. But I mean, it does have the. Oh yeah. It does have the bass to to kind of. I That's mean, super bass, yeah. Yeah. Dun, dun. It's it's probably it's probably impossible to pick a favorite. Um, I have more of a, an attachment for Halloween and and for the the John all of John Carpenter's scores, mm-hmm. but. Ashley, I mean, like the second you heard that that tubular bells playing at the beginning of this movie, did it just kind of like evoke a reaction? Yes. Freaky. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like almost desensitized to Halloween. You hear it so much. Mm-hmm. But when you hear that one, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> like, I just. Yeah. Church. Uh, so I think tubular bells. Yeah, it's 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 true. It's a little more pure mm-hmm. and a little more. It's it's more simplistic. Um, and it's just like obviously something you could play I, I watched a bunch of videos of people playing it on church organs yeah. <laughs> so like it's it's just kind of i don't know it's it's a work of of absolute genius so mm-hmm. derek do you have a preference halloween all day yeah yeah third day okay yeah well they're both i mean they're both good tubular bells is just it's just something about it mm-hmm. yeah 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 and for at least in american cinema uh at this point like the the difference between 1973 and, and later in the 70s like um this is more of a piano score and an organ score i don't know whether it was played on a digital instrument or not but it, it's not like every movie had a a synth theme at this point when exorcist came out it was very novel um mm-hmm. by the time you know halloween came out and then certainly after halloween came out every movie um was going for that so extra points to tubular for uh being first tubular totally tubular <laughs> um ashley what else did you want to talk about from this movie let's we could talk about the ending uh i guess we uh, kind of already did 
Yeah. Well, so, okay. I have a question about the ending. Yeah. So the whole premise is that essentially the serial killer died 15 years ago. Someone, and then he escaped out of the body, went to a different body to commit more kills through other people. Right. It was a huge coincidence that on the night that the exorcism was performed from exorcism, exorcist one, um, and the dude was tumbling down the stairs and laying, you know, lifeless, uh, mm-hmm. mostly lifeless at the bottom of the stairs. The serial killer was looking for a new body because um, okay. he had just been hmm. electrocuted. Right. Yeah. And then it took 15 years to repair like the synapses in the brain or something, as we said. But then yeah. my thought is. Yeah. So he went into the body of the priest from Exorcist one. Yeah. Um. And then 15 years later, he was finally able to kind of like take over the body. And, so by shooting, you know. so by shooting that guy in the end, in the head, it's over. That was all you had to do. <laughs> I mean, it depends. If there's that doesn't a- make sense. Can you just <laughs> if- travel somewhere else? Sure. I mean, yeah. If there was a commercially viable, he didn't compel him. He didn't more. do Christ compels you and makes him go- made him go away. They they tried to do it the old fashioned way, um, <laughs> and the guy got basically skinned, uh, skinned alive. Yeah. Although he did, he did sort of um, use his last bit of energy to to hold up the crucifix again. Um, yeah, I think the 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 key was they killed the vessel, and sure, there's probably a window of time where that mm-hmm. spirit can go into someone else. I mean, I think it should history, have gone into his daughter. Yeah, but it, uh, this movie didn't didn't do like a fake out ending yeah. or like a cliffhanger ending so it was clearly not trying to be a conventional you know mm-hmm. uh freddy or friday the 13th style horror movie it keeps um, coming back yeah yeah it was it, it, it was just like a self-contained story for the most part with the lore that was built up from the other one so yeah i thought i mean they, they shot him uh in the chest a couple times and then mm-hmm. he shoots him in the head and fade to like a uh, round circle circular sun <laughs> imagery yeah um, so and then credits the rising sun yeah yeah but it was it was tragic because i mean for a lot of reasons but the um george c scott was shooting his who would looked like his friend he was shoot he was he was saving him and shooting by shooting him in the head he's so, releasing him yeah 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 and it was different than like some movies where you want the guy to come back like there was no bringing, I guess maybe <laughs> since he had spent 15 years regenerating yeah, the dude's brain function, in theory, he could have just excised the demon and then had his friend back. Maybe. maybe. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Is it, that's like that whole, the whole ending was very confusing to me. It's yeah. Like, I would love uh... to read more about what the author really planned versus what they knew would be kind of like a smart way to market the movie mm-hmm. and to tie it into the original and and uh, he wasn't an established uh filmmaker as much as as much as an author so he was probably willing to compromise to get to get the movie made um right and to, to be able to do it so yeah i i don't know i i really i probably thought it was going to be a little more of a horror movie of course um mm-hmm. than yeah, we ended up getting. yeah but that didn't that didn't bother me so me neither. Yeah. yeah. It didn't attract from the movie overall. I just thought it'd be gorier, but yeah. Okay. And I thought um the way so one of the one of the scenes right before the the 
the final climax is uh the the demon dude is sending a um older person to a nurse to um george c scott's family's house to kill his daughter and oh, yeah the woman has the shears she has the medical grade um spring-loaded uh super shiny shears and the way they choreograph the scene she lunges at the daughter's throat and we don't really see it did you think she he she I got thought she her. got her, or yeah, at least the too. side, like this yeah. part, like by the jugular, but not quite in. Yeah, I could have sworn it looked like she like did it, and then the next thing you see, like there's no cut mark, and I was like, but I feel like it got on her neck. Yeah, but I mean, this. What would your take? What would your emotional state have been regarding this movie if if she had been de- his daughter had been decapitated? I would have liked it more. <laughs> <laughs> Sicko. <laughs> I, I know I, I know what you mean, because <laughs> there were stakes, obviously his best his friend. They set, did a good job of setting up his kind of like um, cantankerous, saucy relationship with his friend. Mm-hmm. So they, they you did feel bad, certainly when they the, the first priest died. And then, of course, the priest from the original movie also dies. And that's that's kind of an emotional payoff at the end. But but, yeah, you never really fully felt that anyone in his like family was in danger yeah um until that and then it was over very quickly mm-hmm. so but i mean to just kind of have his family there looming the whole time and then decapitate the daughter that yeah. would have been a bold choice right <laughs> yeah um perhaps we'll talk about another movie where there's something similar uh, happens okay. <laughs> anyway uh there was one other quote from the movie that i wanted to mention it's when he's having a conversation with uh george c scott's having a conversation with the priest uh friend early on the not possessed one and mm-hmm. um the guy's going to see it's a wonderful life for the no, 37th time yeah he, the the guy is any it doesn't matter the the father is having a conversation like with someone else i think mm-hmm. and anyway he asked the other guy what his favorite movie is and he says the fly and <laughs> just like moves on immediately <laughs> that's it yeah i love it yeah. <laughs> nice little call call out yeah. though yeah shout out to the fly um oh and then <laughs> this is the example i wanted to give early on about the weirdness of this movie the whole monologue that he gives him about why he can't go home after seeing the movie immediately, the uh, George the C. Carp. Scott's character is like his mother-in-law is visiting and she's going to cook a carp. And it's not that he doesn't like carp. It's <laughs> just that the carp can't has to be pure. So they're keeping it alive all week in a bathtub and he can't bathe and he can't look at the fucking carp or else yeah. he's just going to like lose it and kill the carp. And it's just like, I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. And it goes like, on for like two minutes yeah, or something. You're like, what? The? It's almost the exact paraphrase. <laughs> Of, of the thing and you're just like every time he says carp <laughs> it's hilarious so. oh the reason they that he says the fly the actor who plays them starred in the fly too in 1989 oh, right, so there's right. a tie to it i was like there had to say some tie yeah. yeah um what's that eric stoltz is the main character of the fly too he's like the the son of um goldblum oh okay it's kind, of a, it's kind it. of a it's a it's a weird sequel um <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're good on our initial discussion of the movie. We'll circle back at the end. But of course, before we go to our first break, Ashley, um, would you like to take us on a stroll to Poetry Alley? 
Sure. So this is a little bit different than usual. I'm not summing up the movie. I just made like a poem kind of about the movie, but kind of not. Okay. (laughs) Really quick. Sorry. I'm entering in coffee shop sounds, but this sounds horrible. Okay. So just go ahead and start. Just fire up the latte machine. Okay. So this is my poem. Um, It's called The Darkest of Mocktails. So (laughs) it's kind of a recipe, kind of. Let's mix a cocktail for the scariest type of movie. One part exorcism, one part serial killer, filled to the top with lots of blood. How groovy. Now, don't forget to add a dash of Bible scripture to give that to give that drink that stodgy mixture. Embellish it with a cross falling off a wall into the glass, guaranteed to scare your ass. Cover the drink in darkness like a cloth or by night to add to the unveiling of a bloody cocktail. I hope it's all right. Now, imbibe your nightmares and everything scary you wish not to see, because before the drink's drained, you'll be on one knee. Looking up to the ceiling as a possessed nurse drops down, and then you'll no longer hear another sound. Fuck, this movie has some scary scenes, but overall, it was the woman's voice in the confessional that'll give me the creepiest of dreams. Oh my god, that was <laughs> that was disturbing. Yeah, well, it was congratulations, a movie. Thanks. Yeah, maybe you're more Cheers. of an Ed- Edgar Allan Poe than than <laughs> you know a nice poet. Yeah, mixture. Yeah, than a Robert Frost. I couldn't think of like. <laughs> yeah the, a nice poet yeah. <laughs> perfect uh, yeah well thank you ashley um for that are you all ready uh for a quick break sure yeah all right oh. <laughs> uh. eric is suffering some serious ill effects so hopefully you can keep it together for the next few minutes while we take a break from our discussion of the exorcist three and see what's playing this week on New release radio. Wow. Okay. All right. So the song you just heard off the soundtrack. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> the song you just heard was Possession by Bad English, moving up two spots to number 21 on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of August 17th, 1990. Now, let's jump straight into everyone's favorite segment on new release radio rank the blank. Pew, 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 pew. Music. All right, this is where we pick a a topic inspired by the week's movie and rank our personal favorites. This week's topic, most terrifying possession. The only criteria this week is the scarier the better. Ashley, before we get into our choices, do you have any honorable mentions for us? Sure. The original Exorcist, Evil Dead, Sinister, Jennifer's Body, (laughs) The Conjuring Movies, The Witch, and Poltergeist. Yeah, and there are a million. Yes, there <laughs> are so many. So that was just kind of a range of options. Um, did we get any um, feedback from Instagram? Yeah, but I can't do it until after we say ours. Okay, okay. Maybe a tiebreaker of sorts. So um, for our final round, we have, of course, the movie that inspired this topic, The Exorcist 3. So the possession here, of course is the serial killer 
and being he's like being powered by the devil um so you got this like combo effect of the legion of evil um people in hell combined with the um twisted mind of the gemini killer so it makes as you heard in that early clip uh it makes for a pretty a pretty disturbing Hannibal Lecter-esque almost mm-hmm. um serial killer so uh, or possessed person ashley um what is your choice so i'm going to choose here's johnny which terrified me as a child i couldn't get through that part i went back i went to my room do you remember that <laughs> No. Did your dad started... break through the through yeah. the door with an axe? No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, so this is The Shining, obviously, with Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. And something about being so he's a normal guy. They go to this like mansion so he can write his book, and then he becomes like more and more scary and scarier and scarier, and then starts murdering people. So yeah. pretty terrifying to go from just like normal husband to like trying to kill his wife. Just saying. Yeah, and. There's a, a definite um, transition there. It's not like a light switch um, where right. all of a sudden, like one day, you know, that you see like the, the spirit floating through the air and it shoots into his ear and all of a sudden he's evil. But yeah. what's notorious about this movie and that performance is Stephen King thought that his big criticism was Jack Nicholson couldn't play a guy that wasn't clearly like unhinged and possessed. <laughs> and you do you, early on. I mean, it's a, it's, it's not a valid criticism in the sense that the movie works brilliantly regardless, mm-hmm. but he is, he's right. Jack Nicholson looks deranged yeah. from the start and then he becomes deranged and then he becomes like deranged on a whole nother level of mm-hmm. absolute uh, terrifyingness. So yeah. Um, great choice Thank for you. me. I'm going to go with Tony Collette's character in the movie that has probably come up a lot. Um, yes. Yeah. Sorry, Derek. no. <laughs> the movie that introduced I'm with it during the day, but not when I'm outside at night. Yeah, Fair. it's just the crickets. Um, <laughs> there was a, a there was a dead bird in this movie that made me think of Hereditary. There was an old lady crawling on the ceiling that evoked hereditary uh, obviously uh, this movie came out oh, you know you decades before but my headphones came off yeah <laughs> tony collette i mean just in re-watching clips of no, her no, various no, no, no. breakdowns from this movie i mean from grieving for her daughter to flipping out at dinner to um immolating uh i.e burning alive her husband to eventually using a wire to Ah. saw her own head off while Uh. hanging in the attic. Um, Uh. Not to mention all the time. She's just like probably in the darkness of the corner of, of the room or. Okay. 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 Yeah. We get it. It was scary. (laughs) Yeah. Tony Collette, very terrifying and hereditary. Derek, uh, do you have anything to match these uh, entrants? Well, I sure do. And it's something <laughs> that we've talked about on this podcast before. It haunted my memories, or he haunted my memories for years, uh, or rather, dreams. It is uh, <clears throat> Child's Play. Charles Lee Ray hmm. doing a voodoo ritual to transfer his his uh, serial killer soul into the doll of 
Chucky. Yeah, a good guy doll. What could go wrong? Um, <laughs> what's I, I don't think this is a controversial choice, um, but is there any use in drawing a distinction, um, both like in terms of whether it's scarier or not, in possessing an, an inanimate object versus possessing another person? Because yours is kind of an outlier in that respect. Yes. Both scary. Uh, you take the Chucky doll home. Yeah. And it sits <laughs> in your room and then you wake up and it's right next to your face. Right. Ugh. Arguably and scarier. It, yeah. And it's a creepy ass doll. Yeah. Um, are there animal possession movies? Um. Well, there's like this pet, se- pet cemetery. <laughs> yeah, but they just come back to life. Pet cemetery, sort of. There's Cujo, and there's a lot of Stephen King stuff that um that is not those aren't really possessions. Monkey mm-hmm. shines. I'm looking at some lists now. Is almost an example, but that's the science experiment gone wrong. It's crazy that there hasn't been a straight up Possessed demonic animal. possession of an animal. Um, Cause what Derek was saying about like the unsuspectingness, you don't suspect kids. So those kids that get possessed are mm-hmm. obviously terrifying and it's just really sad and horrifying to see a kid go through that. Um, and you don't, you, but and you don't expect your, your play, your play things um, like puppet master or, yeah. <laughs> or your good guy doll to come to life. And then, I mean, Ashley was always uh, pretty terrified of dolls. Yeah. Well, I had Barbies and stuff, but I put them in the drawers before I went to bed so they couldn't get out. Yeah. So. <laughs> Did you think the dolls themselves were evil or that they would get possessed by evil things? I just thought they were evil. Okay. Yeah, just inherently. <laughs> yeah. Me, but, me only, well. but only at night, not during the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think we have really good choices. So we've got a couple serial killers. We've got a demented um mother figure and then we've got the ultimate um deranged dad ashley (laughs) where um where do you want to start or you know where do you think exorcist uh the the father from exorcist 3 ranks so i think exorcist 3 is actually the bottom yeah i'd agree in this list yeah yeah yeah. if it was i mean obviously if it was if it's uh, exorcist it was the original that would probably still win but for this list exorcist 3 is at the bottom yeah. Okay. Um, and then I would probably say third would be The Shining. Oh, and wow. then second would be Child's Play because I fucking hate dolls. And Annabelle, I almost chose Annabelle for this because uh yeah. terrifying. And then Hereditary because I still can't like uh I just can't. Yeah. And am, totally and, the, with you. and the Instagram Ooh. fan did say hereditary. Ah. So. Uh, which makes Dang. sense. It's so scary. It's the best it, horror it movie is... in a long, long time. Yeah. True and Since I saw the it in theaters maybe. together. It was right theaters, true. Yeah, yeah. We saw yeah, it. Yeah, I saw Hollywood. it in theaters too. Yeah, it was it was definitely very creepy. I scary. saw it at the Alamo Draft House and I ordered food and I was like, I can't eat this. I'm too stressed <laughs> oh, out. Yeah. And I was like sweating through my clothes. Like it's scary. <laughs> yeah. So, I have hereditary. Uh, have any of y'all right. rewatched it? Um all the way through. No, no, fuck no, dude. <laughs> I think I tried to like show it to someone and I was like, I don't know if I can even do it. It's just it is, too, so scary. It, it is one of the most legitimate scary films yeah. since I was a kid and Child's Play, Chucky specifically, haunted my dreams. So, yeah, yeah it's I, I'm good with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, Um, because it's there's when you're a kid, you're not the best judge of what's legitimately scary. Obviously, I was scared to death of gremlins and arachnophobia, <laughs> but, um, 
as an as an adult or you know like late teen whatever age i was the ring was like scary in a legit way not just in terms of like jumps jump scares or something but like just fundamentally disturbing imagery and that was even pg-13 um but i think hereditary as a modern as a movie that i've seen that's come out since i've been an adult i can't imagine any scarier movie so um like in the way that i want to be scared i guess i should say you can yeah Yeah. you can always jump scares are like a cheap gimmick to keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time but if you're just talking about the full the full range of emotion um Congrats to Ari Aster. Um, yeah. I've, I've watched Midsummer like three times. I've watched it's, Midsummer a couple of times. Yeah, well. that's much, has much more replay value. Yeah. Um, Hereditary, I'm still trying to work up the, the guts. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, let's uh, hear a clip since I won. Oh, I don't want to hear it. All right, guys, let's all do it before I play it. I try. Try again. Release yourself. Stop. Just say it. Don't you ever raise your voice at me. <laughs> I, really I am your like mother. This. I know. I'm glad about watching I it. I do worry. And all I get back is that face on your face. So full of disdain and resentment and always so annoyed. Nobody admits anything they do. I can't do it. Sorry. I know it's irrational. <sighs> a face on your face. <laughs> what a what a line! Ooh. This this is uh, like a. Um, did she win an award for this? That so that that clip we just heard was like what a twenty four sent out as her like <laughs> her promo clip because mm-hmm. it is kind of edited in a way that it works well in audio. There's some quieter scenes. I don't know if quiet's the right word, but yeah, more slow build scenes that in the context of the movie work great. But that was kind of the the highlight reel right there. Yeah. What well, did she did she win an award? Oh, I know that was what you asked. I do not. <laughs> I, 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 don't think so. I don't think so. No, I don't. Okay. I, I. She yeah. was so good. Yeah, it's so hard for a horror movie yeah. actor to get nominated for a performance mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, <laughs> she did it all. Yeah. Well, all right, Drew, congratulations on winning. Yeah, this congratulations. Week's rank the blank. Thank you. I mean, if I can't win the horror categories, then what am I good for? absolutely Absolutely nothing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) well that's all for new release radio this week but before we give our final thoughts on exorcist 3 let's spin a brand new track debuting at number 69 on this week's billboard top 100 spin all the way around like her head I don't know what the tie-in is with this one. <laughs> the right time to possess someone. Yeah, yeah, that works. So that was Lisa Stanfield with This Is The Right Time. Yeah, Ashley, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to our final thoughts on Exorcist 3. What is the early buzz coming out of the mall for this joint? It's a mixed bag. Hmm. Kind of a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a mixed bag. Um, I'm just going to read a couple reviews by critics so far for this movie. Sure. Um, all right. 
Too much of the movie takes place in dark rooms where people describe horrors that might more profitably have been on the screen. And the plot is a house of cards that constantly collapses. Okay. Yeah, dark room being like the the cell where they have those monologues, which for 45 yeah, minutes of the movie went on a little too much. Yep, yeah. Fair <laughs> okay. um, may not have been the visceral impact of the first film, but it gives viewers far more than they had any reason to expect, which I think is fair because the second one was a bomb, right? So. Yeah, I mean, and then this was like, the, if the second one was four years later, this one was 13 years more late after that. It's like such a weird timing for mm-hmm. a sequel. You know, they would have in this present day, it would have been a reboot, which speaking of, there was just this big um, news story back in 2021 uh, in the last week or two where um, I forget which uh, production company is spending like $500 to make three more exorcist movies. So, $500? $500 million. Cool. I was like, <laughs> did I 500 bucks. you did. Go I was like, them. is it filmed like in a room? Yeah, <laughs> I would have paid a thousand for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're going to be making uh, three more exorcist films, but it's, it's, it's weird. You wouldn't just start like at number four at this point. So, right. So they're remaking it. So they're making starting from scratch. Yeah. I think Linda Blair might be attached or oh, either shit. she wasn't contacted one of the two oh, okay super <laughs> attached or not attached at all Got yeah it. um and as far as awards this movie it won an academy of science fiction award for best writing which i think the i think the writing was really good i mean the now, monologues were really long but i think oh, the writing was a highlight for sure yeah a lot of the movies we've watched have been getting those awards mm-hmm. um and then as far as recommendations oh yeah just overlook my what I said. <laughs> no, but I mean, a lot of movies haven't getting those awards because they're not like the Academy or which the, one was it? What was the, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy yeah. and Horror? Because remember last was it was it last season where we always had the Venus Awards or the Saturn is the Saturn Saturn Awards? awards. Are oh, awards? that's that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, that's what. No, that's what these are. I believe it's okay. the same thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Good job, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as far as recommendations to someone coming out of going to the movies would you say watch this movie go see it hell yeah yeah Derek (laughs) absolutely not oh don't waste your time watching this film I didn't like it at all (laughs) oh Oh, dang classic Derek (laughs) curveball because I would say I would say go see it are you possessed still no yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) no this is great this is great so you yeah you were playing it pretty close to the chest but you didn't yeah. like it? No, no. Uh, I mean, it was all right. You know, again, the the scenes where where they were in the cell. Yeah. And he was. He had different voices and stuff. That was all right. But nah, I just I don't know. Just didn't click with me. Go if watch. Got, Pult- go watch Poltergeist. Yeah. If the, if the girl got decapitated, would you liked it more? Yes. Cool. Um, I would <laughs> also I would recommend it. I thought it was yeah. really interesting. It's different. I mean, it wasn't super gory, but it had some scary scenes and I don't know. I'd recommend it. It's different to watch. It would have it would have made less money and probably not been seen, but if it was called Legion and not Exorcist mm-hmm. 3, that people would have gone into it with a different attitude and probably not been expecting another Exorcist. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Y- yeah. You know. So yeah. that like that for what that first review said, um that it's not like the visceral horror of the first one. It's a police procedural with some supernatural mm-hmm. elements. So. so would you say having an exorcist in the title made it in the box office? 
may <laughs> yes that help it <laughs> so we do have hard data to back up that assumption and sure enough another movie just barely supplants ghost the exorcist three is coming in at number one this week <laughs> what? with nine million wow. ghost eight million flatliners seven million so dang um, i teased this earlier and forgot to bring it back up between the religious overtones, like the kind of the lighting, the imagery in this, there was some, this was a good segue from, from Flatliners. And Mm -hmm. the thing that really hammered it home for me was when the, um, when they're describing one thing, this movie does probably too much exorcist does too much is explain how everything worked. And it's still, it was still unclear to you, but when they explain like that, the person was technically dead for x amount of time and then they came back and then you know Mm -hmm. it was that was like oh flatliners yeah yeah i see it and i was seeing like bits of other movies like when they did the dream sequence i thought of the cell Mm. but also serial killer and then i thought of seven a little bit as well yeah exactly zodiac killer gemini killer Mm -hmm. Um, there's some some parallels for sure to a lot of things but maybe what what was undersold and you know clicked with me so much was just uh, like that review pointed out the writing was Mm -hmm. (laughs) really weird and and entertaining to me so Mm -hmm. all right what's next so as far as standing so each movie or each week we rate a movie on a scale of one to 90 how 90s is this movie based on music wardrobe actors tropes um our current standings are teenage mutant ninja turtles with 89 out of 90 house party 84 out of 90 and pretty woman with an 82 where does this movie fall? There wasn't really music except for the bells. And that's from like a billion years ago. Um, there was one scene with um, where were they? Where there was like a, a younger kid in a bright rugby shirt. Oh, I don't remember that. I saw, I saw like one one Glimpse. piece of, of clothing that reminded me of the 90s. Well, because um, all even like the nurse, like the uniforms, everything looked like it was like from the 70s. So it's well, kinda, yeah, they're in. They're trying to be in the 70s, right? I don't know if they're even trying to be. It takes place in the late 80s based on the timeline they oh, give us in the yeah. movie. Um, so basically it takes place when they were making it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just that like there are all you're, there's either probably I mean, everyone's really old. In yeah. The movie. <laughs> It's the easiest way to put it. It's hard to tell. They're not wearing yeah. the cool hip clothes in the nineties. Yeah. George C. Scott's like 90. Um, so he's he's high on the the so he gets points. How 90s, yeah. Um yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would say like 20, 30. Yeah, max. Derek, yeah. what do you think? 20, 30, max. 25. Fine. Yeah, I guess it's fine <laughs> if it's 28. Oh, okay. 28. Oh, 28. Okay. Right. Sure. So then um, each week we take something from the movie and put it into our new release gift shop to make some profit. Um, so far we have accessories for tarantulas, like camping gear and stuff. Well, we keep releasing new, new, new drops. accessories. Yeah. yeah. This week we sold out of the tennis shoes. Gear. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a flip top, flipped up hot pink visor from side out. And a miniature yeah. one for tarantulas. Oh yeah, everything. You can get any product. Any product small. <laughs> yeah, including this next Perfect. one. And virtual reality afterlife booth also for tarantulas. Yeah. <laughs> and humans, and humans. Um, I mean, they like the darkness, so when you go into the afterlife booth, don't be surprised if there's just hanging a few, out. A few coming down from the the ceiling. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, I won't go in there. Um, so what should we take from this movie? I have an idea, but you guys can go first. <laughs> um, figuring like out, figuring out that soulless people that I can take control of. Oh, that's okay. a hard, that's a market for sure. <laughs> um, cataton- catatonic people. We, we could uh, see how many of those we can round up and sell. Um, <laughs> Boro can help. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, what about, um, a miniature like version of the shears that you can use to to cut uh, clip your toenails. Uh, yeah, clip. I'm back by the way. <laughs> grooming. Yeah. Kick for camping and stuff too. We could do. Yeah. So grooming shears. Well, I mean, they need to look more deadly though. Like I, What's... you could wear them as a necklace and then trim your nose hairs with them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, do you have other ideas? Well, I was just going to say, this is pretty simple, but a bottle of holy water, but it's filled with vodka so we can sell alcohol at our place. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's a great idea. Oh, yeah. So it's just a bottle of holy water, but it's alcohol. So we're going to get a liquor license. We are. We are. It's in the works. I put in the paperwork. Yeah, Goro's (laughs) filled out the paperwork. Goro's manhandling someone so we can get a liquor license. So Goro's still our uh, custodian. But he helps us out with some admin tasks. I Perfect. yes, yeah, he's 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 hanging in there. He loves the all his new pet tarantula friends. Um, the I, I like the holy water idea because in the movie it's kind of a it's kind of a, a trope that priests are always sneaking some booze in their in their office. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's even frowned upon, but um, anyway, so there's people drinking drinking from the holy spirit in this movie and we will um monetize that perfect so what is next week exorcist four (laughs) (laughs) well we might have to wait a couple more years from that but in the meantime we will have a movie that is near and dear to my heart and it's starring an actor who i know a lot of people in my life have a special affinity for so much so that they're going to be having a theme party to celebrate <laughs> this national treasure. I'd go the far end of the world for you, baby. Rocking good news. Two national treasures, Mama at least. I can't stand it. I'm gonna hire me a hitman. I'll be getting carried away. But Sailor and Luna can't help it. Baby, you got me hotter in Georgia, asphalt. We call it spectacular <laughs> and funny. You really are dangerously cute, baby. From the director of Twin Peaks, David Lynch's Wild at Heart. Uh-oh. This summer's wildest love story. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 17th at theaters oh, nationwide. Yeah. All right. So we have David Lynch making his triumphant return to the podcast and uh, Laura Dern starring. And have we done a Nick Cage movie yet? Nope. All right. So the debut of <laughs> Sir Nicholas Cage in Wild at Heart on the new release podcast. Are y'all excited? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You should be. This is a good film. Does it? It's kind of sounded like true romance. Is there similarities? Um, no. Okay. (laughs) I mean, yes, but but it's 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 definitely weirder. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) All right. Well, if you share Ashley's enthusiasm without reservation, then you should subscribe to the podcast by searching new release on Spotify or Apple or anywhere else you get podcasts. Ashley, take it away. 
dude, that's a wrap. This is the dream sequence music I want to say. There's Fabio flapping his wings. Yep. Just yeah, this is perfect. Everyone's heard two viewer bells before. <laughs>